0: Now, if you have your sheets for this evening and you did your homework like good little Bible study students, we'll see how you did. We want to examine the names that Paul has inserted <coughs> into this epistle to Philemon. You may remember that the last time we noted the symmetry of the nominal arrangement in five names in verses 1 and 2 and five names in verses 23 and 24. That symmetry folds these persons into the central figure of the letter. And we notice how the structure of the letter features in chiastic style the central character of this letter namely our Lord Jesus Christ. The 10 characters in our drama are ostensibly in Christ in Christo. And thus we want to explore their Christian identity by means of the handout that you possess. So we begin with Timothy. We're going to skip Paul. Uh, because we will actually fill in a good bit of Paul as we talk about the other nine characters. So we begin with Timothy. And where was Timothy from? Lystra. And how do you know? Very good. So let's turn to Acts 16. There may be some in the back there, Pete. If if there aren't any more back there, that's all I have. Bob? What
1: about the other
0: town? Well, let's take a look at Act 16. Acts sixteen one to three, and let's have somebody read out those three verses. And he came also to Verde and to Lystra.
1: Lystra. Was a believer that his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. All wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts,
0: for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Thank you very much. All right now, Bob had suggested Derby. But you'll notice that the there is referring to the closest city, which is Lystra. But let's notice one other thing about Timothy from this passage. In the first verse, he's called a what? Disciple. He is a disciple. A disciple means he's a what? What? He's a believer, or he is a... Teacher. He is a... Follower
1: of Christ.
0: He is a Christian. All right, so he's already a Christian when Paul when Paul meets him here in Lystra in chapter 16. So the question is, how did he become a Christian? Was he born a Christian? No, he was not born a Christian. <clears throat> He's the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother, so he was raised probably as a Jew. So how did he become a Christian? Well, had Paul been to this region before?
1: Yes.
0: Or is this his first trip to this region? Yeah, he had been there before. So what trip number of Paul's is this that we're reading in chapter 16? This is the second missionary journey. So, during the first missionary journey, he was also here. And it is likely that uh, Timothy was converted when Paul came originally. Now, that story is in Acts 14, verses 6 to 8. Paul's first visit to Lystra. So, let's turn back to chapter 14. And you'll notice in verse 6 of Acts 14 that Paul's entrance into Lycaonia, namely Lystra and Derbe, are recorded. Now, what did Paul do in Lystra? Verse 7 of chapter 14, what do you see there? he preached the gospel okay <clears throat> so what else did he do in Lystra verse 10 he healed he healed a man born lame lame from his mother's womb verse 8 what else did he do in Lystra verses 14 and 15 Why does he tear his robes there in verse 14? Yeah, they think he's a god. In other words, because he's able to heal this lame man, he thinks he's one of the Greek gods come down to earth. All right, now, what happens to Paul next? Verse 19. Yes, they left him for dead after they had stoned him, okay? So Lystra was a place where Paul was successful in preaching the gospel, performed miraculous work by the grace of God, but also was beaten and left for dead. All right, now, that brings us to Timothy again and his connection with Paul in that first journey. So we want to take a look at 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Paul converts Timothy at Lystra in his first journey to the city, his second journey to the city, Paul calls Timothy to join him. But let's take a look at Second Timothy 3, 10 to 11. And, Art, do you have it? Yes. Would you read it out, please?
1: You, however, know all about my teaching. My
0: Who's he talking life. about? You, who?
1: I think he's talking to Timothy.
0: Yes, good.
1: You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, <laughs> endurance, Persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of
0: them. What persecutions is he talking about? Yes, he's talking about the persecution that he endured during his first missionary journey, which once again confirms the close relationship between Paul and Timothy going all the way back to that first missionary journey. In other words, when Paul preached the gospel in Lystra initially, Timothy heard it and was aware that Paul had been persecuted, beaten, left for dead uh, on that occasion. All right, so we can fill in a little bit uh, more of the connection or the story uh, of Paul and Timothy than just simply the fact that he was from Lystra. And we've answered that uh, second question, when did he join Paul, namely on the second missionary journey. Do you have any questions about those details? All right, now, name some of the churches Paul establishes on that second missionary journey. Philippi. Philippi, okay. Where do we find that story? How did he get to Philippot? Where is Philippot? Here we've been talking about him being in Lystra, Derby, Iconium. Where are Lystra, Derby, and Iconium? What country? Asia Minor. Asia Minor. What do we call that today? Turkey. Turkey, okay. So, where is Philippi? It's in Macedonia. Is that in Asia Minor? No. Where is it in relationship to Asia Minor?
1: Across West. It is across the... It is across the...
0: It is across the... The Hellespont. called the Hellespont. <laughs> Who crossed over the Hellespont? Most famous person ever crossed over the Hellespont. Abigail, who crossed over the Hellespont? 333 B.C. Dan? Alexander Alexander the Great, yes. That's how he went from Macedonia to Asia Minor and ultimately to Persia and then all the way to India. Okay, so the Hellespont, that is the bridge (coughs) over... The Hellenes, <clears throat> that is the bridge from Asia Minor to Macedonia or to the Greek, Peloponnesus, Peloponnesus ultimately. <clears throat> that's a very narrow isthmus there <clears throat> between uh, <clears throat> what was ancient Troy, Ilium, and <clears throat> the Macedonian coast. All right, now, <clears throat> how is it that Paul goes from Asia Minor over to Macedonia? After all, he's been laboring First missionary journey is Asia Minor. Second missionary journey so far is Asia Minor. How does he get over to Macedonia? Yes, Macedonian call. The Lord calls him to go across. He wants to go over to Pontus and Bithynia on the east, the northern coast, northeastern coast of the Black Sea. And the angel calls him to Macedonia. And Philippi is the first church he establishes after the Macedonian call and that is in Acts chapter sixteen. So Philippi is one of the churches he establishes on his second missionary journey. After receiving the Macedonian call, he is now in Europe. He's no longer in Asia. Another church he establishes during his second missionary journey. As you go down the road from Philippi, what do you come to next? Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Yes, Thessalonica. <clears throat> What story, where is that story? That's in Acts chapter 17. What's next? Ephesus. Not quite. Yes. Berea. Berea. Berea is next. What's after Berea? Athens. Mm-hmm. Athens. and Corinth, although he doesn't establish a church in Athens as far as we know. <clears throat> but in Corinth, yes. All right, now, back to the question about Ephesus. On his way back, he does stop at Ephesus. On his return to uh, Palestine, he stops in Ephesus. <clears throat> does he establish the church there? No, he no, does not. Who is there already? Apollos. Apollos is there already. He has preceded Paul to Ephesus. Who does Paul leave in Ephesus? He brings them with him from Corinth. And who does he leave?
1: Husband
0: and wife team. Husband and wife team, correct. Who are they? Priscilla and Aquila. All right, so he brings on his return trip from Corinth, on his way back to Palestine, he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. He goes on. Apollos is already there. Priscilla and Aquila. Teach him a more excellent way. That is, he knows some of the basic gospel, but he hasn't been completely informed of the riches. And so they, they lead him to understand more of the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, Ephesus will be established actually by others, though Paul will consolidate it. So, on this second missionary journey, at least three, four new congregations, three of which have letters directed to them by the apostle. All right, so why is Timothy joined with Paul in this letter to Philemon? Paul and Timothy. Timothy. First verse of fighting.
1: <coughs> Why is he joined with him? Ben? Because Rome
0: Why else? Why else? The brother and
1: fellow servant of Jesus Christ. But he he does the
0: same thing in Colossians one and Philippians one. So, why does he put Timothy beside himself at the beginning of these letters? Because I think Timothy was
1: with him. Yes, that's true. He's with him.
0: Okay, but he's more than with him. <laughs> that's the reason. That's the reason he he's together with him at these beginning parts of the epistles. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead, Kay. He was his associate. He's his associate. You're on. You're keep. You're getting there. Brother
1: calls him a brother.
0: Yes, Dan. Does he- his, his
1: That's Dan.
0: His
1: relationship to Paul is kind of analogous to
0: that of uh, the Paul. No. Nope. That was starting
1: in prison.
0: That's true enough. Yes. He's a co-sender. He's the co-sender of the letter. Notice, Paul sends the letter, and when he associates Timothy with it, he is associating Timothy with the sending process. Now, that doesn't mean that Timothy wrote it, but he's together with him as the equal sender of the epistle. Now, that is important for all the reasons you listed. In other words, he's with him. He's in prison with him. He's identified with him. He's been included in his ministry. But in this position in the letter, in this opening position of the letter, who is the sender, Paul and Timothy? It's a very close, it's much more, it's much closer, you see, than we realize. So he's joined in the sending process. All right, it's true of Philippians and Colossians, if you see the same kind of pattern there, which which we already referred to. All right, now, three of the epistles of the Apostle Paul are co-sent sent along with Paul by the Apostle. Three have Timothy as co-senders. How many are addressed to Timothy as the recipient? Two. How many letters of Paul are there altogether in the New Testament? Thirteen. There are 13. Why didn't you say 14, Mindy?
1: I don't know. 200
0: years ago, it would have said 14.
1: Hebrews. <laughs>
0: Some professors don't know when to be quiet. All right. If you were so rudely interrupted by your friend, do you want to...
1: You're not going to get anything out of me. All right, okay.
0: All right. All right. Pete, why did you bring up Hebrews?
1: Because they used to claim that it was written by...
0: And why did they claim that? The obvious reason why ordinary lay people claim that Paul wrote it was why. In the King James Bible, the epistle of the Hebrews says, in the title, what?
1: I don't know, I never studied the King James. <laughs> oh,
0: you're impoverished. It's, it's still the most literary version of the Bible. At any anyway, rate, leave that aside. Because in the title in the King James, what it say, Ben? It says the epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. <clears throat> All right, now, that, of course, is not the title in the earliest manuscript of the Greek papyrus that we have of the letter. And you go back to our series on Hebrews and I go through that discussion in detail. <clears throat> the point is that the oldest manuscript that we have of the Greek text of Hebrews sim- simply says, Hebrais, Hebra- Hebraios, which means to the Hebrews, and not having Paul in the title at all. So, uh, there are other reasons why we don't think Paul wrote Hebrews so that now the majority opinion is that Paul did not write Hebrews, so so do uh, scholarly fads change. Uh, <clears throat> It's not impossible that somebody might not like to reprise or try to prove that Paul did write Hebrews, but he's got a, got a mountain to climb now. There's an awful lot of evidence that, that points away from the Apostle Paul, not to him. Nonetheless, 200 years ago, you would have said 14 epistles of Paul. 21st century, actually, actually end of the 19th, 20th, 21st century, 13 epistles of Paul. All right. So back to my point. How many epistles include Timothy as sender or recipient? There are five epistles. How many epistles altogether? There are thirteen epistles. Nearly one third of the epistle Paul writes include Timothy either as co-sender or as recipient. This is a very significant relationship. More than one third. You're right. More than one. No, 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 no.
1: You could have relied on that
0: computer, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That's right. It, it would be more than one third. Okay. That's a fairly significant percentage, which indicates a very close relationship. This is a very important figure in Paul's career, which is another reason he is second on the list of, in the order of the names here at the beginning of this chapter. Yes? Why would he just send the letter to himself? No, he's not co-sending the letter to himself. Okay? He's co-sending the letters to Philemon, Colossae, and Philippi. He's receiving the other two from Paul. But the point is, you see, there's, there's a, he, he's the majority person involved <laughs> you see, in either receiving or helping to send Paul's letters. Most of Paul's letters, uh, the, the rest of them don't include Timothy in the in sending or reception, and this is this is a significant indication of the relationship between Timothy and Paul. All right, any questions about Timothy? Go ahead, Pete.
1: It's a father-son relationship, very close relationship. He is speaking of terms of Timothy to himself.
0: Yes, I think it's possible to see that. Uh, to, to look at it in that in those regards, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm, does he call him his son at any point, Pete? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where does he call him his son?
1: I don't know right off. I am your father in faith. Okay. I've given you birth by son. Yeah. Well, uh, well,
0: thanks for that. Uh, uh, my mind is too focused on this. To- answering these questions but that's good good observation go ahead Art so first
1: Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 2 the Timothy my two child the thank you Ben very good Second Timothy yes two, to Timothy my dear son okay. What was that Bob Second Timothy 2, two. To Timothy my dear son
0: very good. Yes, thank you very much. Well,
1: didn't he circumcise Timothy?
0: Yes, we read that in Acts 16, <clears throat> which would, which, which, yeah, not necessarily proving anything, but it, it could be related. Okay, back to you, Art.
1: So, is Paul being purposeful in having Timothy co-submit with I think he is, even as he is
0: with respect to Colossae and Philippians. Yes, Dan?
1: Well, that's kind of what I was getting at, I just again, their relationship is analogous to the relationship between Paul and Philemon. Fili- because later, Philemon Fili- will tell my demons they owe me your, your own mind. But I'm not, probably stretching, but that's kind of where I was... It's all right for you to
0: stretch, but you see you're ahead of me. I don't want you to be ahead of me. Yes,
1: Scott? Yeah, I have such a temperament questions. Uh, when you read stuff on Hebrews, was that one reason that Hebrews was thought to be written by Paul because Timothy is me mentioned toward
0: the end of I um, actually haven't come across that, but it's not impossible that that is related to the discussion. Yeah, <clears throat> that having his name appearing there, they would have folded him into the Pauline corpus. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Ready to go on to Philemon himself? Good. All right. Where did Philemon live? Not now, how do you know?
1: Because it says it. <laughs> in your notes? No.
0: Where did it say?
1: It says it.
0: Um... I want you to know you're right, Cheryl. Good job. You did your homework well. Now, prove your case to... I think you
1: wrote it in the end notes. somewhere. I
0: know I saw it. <laughs> okay, help her out. How do you know? Colossians 4 9. Colossians 4 9. Okay, let's go back to Colossians 4 9. Now, Dick, do you have that? you want to read it out if you have it? Okay. Does anybody have Cautions 4 9 right up? Go
1: ahead. Abigail, go ahead.
0: Abigail? On this us, that dear and faithful follower from your own group is coming with him. The two of them will tell everything that has
1: happened
0: to Very good. Okay. <clears throat> Let's add verse 12 to this. Okay. Would somebody read verse 12? Cautions 4. I'm sorry, Colossians 4, 12.
1: Epiphras. Epiphras. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. All right, now why do
0: these two verses tell us that Philemon was from Colossae? Let's begin with you, Dick. Verse 9 tells you Philemon was from Colossae. How do you know? From verse 9. His name is not there. Philemon's name is not there in verse 9 of Colossians 4. But, whose name is it, there's a slave name there, or is there. So Where the slave is, there is the master. What about Epiphras? Epiphras in verse 12. Where else does Epiphras appear? Verse
1: 23
0: or 21. Good, Abigail. Deuteron- oh. How, how's he described there? Very good, okay? So he's associated with Paul, too, and associated with his letter to Philemon. So the fact that two names in this epistle, Onesimus and (coughs) Epaphras, are associated with Paul, and they are also associated with Colossae, ergo, (coughs) QED, Philemon is from Colossae as well. All right, were you able to locate Colossae on a map? I gave you the map outlines Very good. Okay, so what is Philemon's relationship to Paul?
1: I wrote that
0: he was a brother in Christ. All right, now how do you know he's a brother in Christ?
1: Here we go again. Let's hold on for Cheryl. set it in the notes. My, my notes, it says. Does anybody have
0: a version of verse 1 that calls Philemon a brother?
1: Yeah.
0: No. Yes. New <laughs> American Standard does. How about your NIV or any other verse? And fellow court?
1: Beloved brother.
0: Beloved brother. Okay, now, is brother in italics? Which means it's not where? It's not in the Greek text. Alright, now, it's not in the oldest Greek text, but it is in later manuscripts. So, why is beloved in later manuscripts? Why is brother? Beloved is in all the manuscripts. Why is beloved, excuse me, why is beloved brother in some of the later manuscripts?
1: Copied it from the previous line of Timothy is a brother. Copied it from what? The previous line which says Timothy, our brother. Possibly.
0: Possibly, but perhaps not. He doesn't put them in the same category. Go ahead, Art.
1: in that same verse, at least in the NIV, Philemon is also referred to as a fellow worker. He's a fellow worker. Mm, the implication he's a brother.
0: What do you see in verse 2 that might suggest that? Yes, parallel to the sister in verse 2. Okay, Hoppe is called a sister. Does that mean that Philemon is a brother? Possible reason for inserting brother into the later text. Alright, one other place, verse 16. What do you see in verse 16? Beloved brother. Beloved brother, referring to whom?
1: Onesimus. Onesimus. All right, now,
0: the Greek in verse 16 is almost exactly like the Greek in verse 1. The word beloved, which is used to refer to Philemon in verse 1, is the same root word in Greek that is used in verse 16. So probably the lesion is this. That is, having seen the phrase beloved brother in verse 16, the word beloved in verse 1 was rounded out with brother to be parallel to the relationship between Paul and Onesimus. And he wants to have that same uh, relationship repeated with respect to Philemon. So... A later scribe or copyist inserted the Greek word for brother into verse 1. And that's the reason it's italicized. And that's the justification for it. Or at least that's the logical justification for why it appears in some later manuscripts. But it is not in the original. So how do we know that Philemon is a, uh, a, a Christian? Okay?
1: It says in verse seven, "For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother." Good. It's not italicized. Good. Because <laughs> of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you.
0: Very good. Anything else? How do you know that he's a Christian? Paul says, "You own
1: your own soul."
0: Good. Very good. Anything else from this first verse?
1: Hello, Yes, work of
0: what?
1: Establishing the church. Right, the work of the
0: gospel and establishing the church in Colossae. All right, so it's not as if worth any mystery about Philemon's spiritual condition, okay? He's a professing Christian. <clears throat> He's involved in this church in Colossae. He's called a brother, as <clears throat> Cheryl pointed out in verse 7, <clears throat> which... Could be another reason why they imported it into verse one, <clears throat> but it's the combination in verse sixteen where you have the the, the Greek word for beloved and brother, <clears throat> which uh, <clears throat> probably is the reason they translate uh, transferred it back into verse one. All right. <clears throat> now Ben has already answered this question in uh, the third question: Why did he have this relationship with the apostle? But <clears throat> We want to know how you know he had this relationship with the Apostle. And Ben, what was the relationship he had with the Apostle?
1: Yes, he was a convert. And what's your passage,
0: Ben? Yeah, I I which verse?
1: (laughs) Anyone? Yes, verse
0: 19, where Paul says, You owe your own self to me as well. In other words, Philemon had been converted by the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Now, we're going to talk about how that came about later on, but at this point we want to establish the fact that Philemon is a professing Christian. He's a professing Christian in Colossae. He has within his range of acquaintance both uh, Epaphras uh, and uh, Onesimus. And these are all uh, characters in this epistle, uh, which we're looking at over the next uh, few weeks. Okay. So, what's Philemon's relationship to Onesimus? He's a
1: bond, bonds. What's
0: Philemon's relationship? He is the master or the owner of the slave. How do you know from this text, from Philemon itself? Good. Very good, Abigail. Thank you. Verse 16. What's Philina's relationship to the church? you brother. I'm sorry, Bob didn't catch it. He's a brother. He's a brother, okay. The church meets in his
1: house. Yes, the church
0: meets in his house. Notice verse 2. This is a house church, which was, of course, the way early churches were started. They met in homes of... Uh, professing Christians. So, Lelian <clears throat> has a church in his home. What would you say about the size of that home based upon this letter? You say it was large. Large enough to accommodate several people, like a number of people. Now, we've got ten names here. Doesn't mean that all of them necessarily were involved in that church. <clears throat> but, if this church of Colossae met in Philemon's home, and there was a significant body of believers there, 20, 30, 50, 100, the home had to be large enough to accommodate them. So this suggests also the fact that Philemon has a slave. This also suggests a man of some wealth and some social prominence. Any other questions about Philemon.
1: I'm sorry? Do you think he was a minister? I do not. Okay. But let's hold that off, and I think
0: we can prove that as we go on with our discussion. Now, he's the host of this church that meets in his house. He's providing hospitality and a meeting place for the congregation. Is he a brother because he's in Christ, or, uh, or perhaps also because there's an intimate relationship between Paul and Philemon? No, he's a brother because he's in Christ. Okay? He, he's folded into that relationship. All right, so we're ready to go on to Apvia, but we need refresh before we do that, so let's take our break. And we'll come back. So, if we do not finish this tonight, those of you who didn't do your homework, you have another week. Turn our attention back to verse 2 and Opfia. Question of her gender.
1: It may seem like a no
0: brainer, but what gender is, is this person?
1: Female.
0: you have know, a female, and how do you know? I'm
1: listed as a sister.
0: Okay, a sister is uh, uh, <clears throat> there in the text at least in the New American Standard Translation. Is there any other way you would know what gender she is? She's finding wife. She's wife, possibly. Okay, that's another suggestion. Any other way? I'm sorry. Which means what for the uh, audience? Well, I think it's a
1: feminine. It is a
0: feminine Greek proper noun. Yes, so the gender of the proper noun in the Greek language is feminine. Sister would reinforce that. Does she appear anywhere else in the New Testament? No, no she does not. All right, so what's her relationship to Philemon? Let's go back to my wife's comment, that he is, she is, in fact, Philemon's wife, and we'll ask Sharon to prove her point. It's said in the dictionary. <laughs> the dictionary. <laughs> well, I told you to use tools, didn't I? So, <laughs> All right, now, why does the author of the dictionary article on Ophea think that she's his wife? Okay, can you suggest anything from the text? Go ahead, Nancy.
1: Uh, because they talked about English. our sister with soldier the church your house
0: okay so she's made a part of the household okay now this could be broadly generic everybody in the household is included in that or it could mean that something is being suggestive by that term at the end of this order of names in verses one and two so there is a possibility that house is talking about the personal, intimate household of Philemon, and the fact that she follows his name, she is second in the list, would indicate she has the second place. He is the second most important person in the household, namely, she is his wife. All right, now, adding to that observation, notice that she is singled out In the letter, she is the only female in this epistle. That is significant. Not only is her position in the order of the names important, but she is the only female listed in this epistle. Now, the next thing to note is that she's followed by Archippus. Who is Archippus?
1: We're looking ahead, but go ahead, Ben.
0: Minister, probably
1: not. Fellow
0: soldier, fellow soldier, yes, but son. yes, another member of this intimate family union, namely, he is the son. So we have father, mother, husband, wife, and son. These three, distinguished by the term house at the end of this line, is this Paul's way of endorsing the household unit, which is also the place where this church meets. Now, I admit to speculation there. However, this is the usual, and I'm saying usual, In the history of interpretation of this epistle, this is the usual association that the church, going all the way back to the early patristic period, makes about these three names. They are father, mother, and son. Tradition doesn't prove anything, but it certainly lends credence to other implications. In other words, those like myself that read these three names as a family unit there are others in the history of the church who have done likewise. All right. Pardon? Why would he
1: not be the minister? Because in Colossians 17, it says, and St.
0: John given they me some of the ministry which have received in the Lord. That one's a little harder. Uh, I admit the obvious point of that language there but ministry there does not mean any more particular ministry than it does elsewhere okay so we go back to ask the question who was the initial minister at colossae who brought the gospel to
1: Colossae.
0: No, Paul did not bring it to Colossae. Nancy? No. Yes, it's Epaphras. All right, now, it is conceivable that Philemon brings the gospel back initially and Epaphras comes to support it. But Epaphras is... Uh, described as that that uh, initial proclaimer of the gospel in Colossae. Now, <clears throat> Colossians 4.17, as Ben points out, uses that term ministry. Is it specific to office or is it general to service? That's the issue in that text. Okay? So, I'm not myself persuaded that he's the minister there Uh, although I could be pushed. So we'll we'll put that aside for the time being. (laughs) Right now, we're looking at the order of this second verse and suggesting that he's part of the family unit. All right, now, that brings us to uh, the second page, and the pronunciation is archippus, emphasis on the second syllable, what gender is this person and how do you know? Male. He's a male. And how do you know? This
1: Greek. Because the Greek gender is
0: masculine. That's correct. Now, there's another reason that you know that.
1: His name means chief groom.
0: Say that, Ben. I'm, I'm not catching it. I'm sorry. His name
1: means chief groom.
0: Chief groom? <laughs> I, I I I'll take your word for that. Is there anything else in the text that suggests that he's a male? He's a fellow soldier. Yes, he's a fellow soldier. How about the us? Is, it
1: Latin?
0: is the is this Latin Yes, the us would be a masculine ending yeah. in in Latin. <clears throat> Do you know, you saying
1: there were no female soldiers back then? That's a little bit uh <clears throat>
0: Now there aren't any female soldiers <clears throat> that I'm aware of in the ancient world, except some of these mythical superwomen. <clears throat> yeah. What's your point, I, I Mr. Morse?
1: I, I thought I was an overly subtle, but I guess I was <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I won't address that. All right. Archippus lives where? Colossi, how do you know, Ben? Yes, Colossians 4.17. Here Paul calls him fellow soldier, and this is a military term that only occurs one other place in the New Testament. The Greek word appears in Philippians 2.25 and in Philemon verse 2. Who's described there in Philippians 2.25? Let's get the proper pronunciation. Epaphroditus. 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 Now, why does Paul use this military term?
1: Christianity is a fight.
0: Okay, based upon what passage? Ephesians six, maybe. Ephesians six, exactly. In other words, this soldier imagery, this militant imagery, comes out of put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians. You see, if we let him empty his mouth, he, he actually speaks profound things, doesn't he? All right. Ephesians 6, 11 to seventeen. If you want to make a note of it. Uh, We've already commented about the fact that he had a ministry there, Colossians 4.17. But here's the question about this word ministry. The term comes from the Greek diakonia, which in English could be translated diaconate. Now, that could mean that Archippus was a What? a deacon, okay? So, where diaconia occurs elsewhere in the New Testament, if we substitute deacon for ministry, what sense do we get? All right, let's turn back to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. All right, when you have it, let's read it out. Anyone? Second
1: Corinthians four one. All right, now the word ministry there
0: once again is a cognate of Diaconia. Now let's substitute the office word in that verse. Let's read the verse again and put the office in that place?
1: Okay. Diaconate
0: or office of deacon. Does that make sense in that context? No, no. no, it does not. Okay? All right. You'll find that that's true in the other uh, verses there that I've listed. In other words, this translation of ministry as office whether it's office of minister or office of diakonia, or not office of minister in the sense that because the word here is diaconia, does that make sense with respect to Archippus? Is it that he is an official, he has an office in the Colossian church, or he is serving the gospel in the Colossian church? The preponderance goes to servant. Now, Servant ministry in the early church does not necessarily mean pastoral ministry or shepherding ministry. It means assisting. It means kind of like promoting, bearing witness, testifying. It's a more broadly dispersed uh, term. It does not necessarily carry with it the title of office or official authority. Now, some have suggested... Archippus was the son. We've already talked a little bit about that. Let's review why that suggestion has been made. First of all, the order. He is listed after Apthea. Second of all, he is part of the household unit, the church that is in your house. This household unit seems to reflect upon the three names that precede it. All right, so um, he has a significant role in this congregation. But, in my opinion, not as the pastor or preacher of the church, but as a servant who witnesses to the gospel in and through the church. You're free to disagree. Go ahead, Ben. The question that I
1: have. All these churches. And Paul is on his missionary church. He, he visits many of these cities and he establishes churches. But does he establishes them in, in the understanding that we have of a church? Because later on Timothy is told to go to go and uh, appoint elders and and churches. So it could it not be that the church may have a man who
0: Uh, That's a possibility. Uh, I mean, I can't say no absolutely to that. But the the term, I think, is broader than that. So one would have to bring some evidence that, in fact, just this term can include a kind of official capacity and leadership. I don't see it there. Now, we don't we don't lose very much here. In other words, the gospel is going forth in this church. <clears throat> whether Archippus is simply a servant of the gospel encouraging the congregation in that way by serving the congregation and through it the community, <clears throat> or whether he has a, a formal leadership position, which I don't think can be demonstrated, it, <clears throat> we don't lose much. In other words, this broad-term ministry where Christ's work of redemption is being displayed and promoted and testified to, and served, uh, that's being fulfilled.
1: Oh, you think that
0: would remove him from consideration of being a son? Oh. Oh, the son couldn't be the minister. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm
0: following how, where you're going with it, Ben. Uh <clears throat> I don't agree with it, but it's all right. It's, it's, it's something for us to consider. Does anybody else have any other suggestions or thoughts on this particular point? That's fine. You, you, uh, you, you're aware that we're drawing conclusions which we can't absolutely demonstrate. So we sit loose on some of these things, and when Ben writes a definitive article on the fact that Archippus is minister at Colossae, we, we will all uh, read it gladly. Thanks, Ben, for for, uh, making the comment and pushing the envelope a little bit. All right, now, next is, how do we pronounce this fellow's name? Epiphras. Epiphras. Accent on the first syllable. Epiphras. Where is he from? He is also from Colossae. Now, what do we learn from Colossians 1-7? Let's read that verse out because it's important. Turning back to Colossians 1-7. In fact, let's read verse 6 and verse 7 together. Who's got it?
1: The gospel that has come to you all over the world is this gospel is very fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You are different Epiphus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Also the progress of your spirit. Thank you
0: very much. All right, now, Epaphras is the one who brought, notice, the gospel grace of God in truth to Colossae. Now, as I mentioned when we were talking a little bit about Philemon, it is conceivable that Philemon brought back the uh, <clears throat> word, of Christ that he himself had heard when Paul stopped over in Ephesus on the return on that second missionary journey. In other words, Philemon had heard the gospel in Ephesus, and then Epaphras came to follow up on what Philemon had brought home to Colossae. We can't be any more precise than that but he has a key a role in this congregation where is he when paul writes this letter how do you know Oh, you're right. How do you know you're right? I don't want you to be wrong, Nancy. I want you to be right. Um,
1: he he was fellow there
0: you go. And where's Paul in prison? In Rome. He's in prison in Rome. <clears throat> so because he's his fellow prisoners, he's in the same place where Paul is in verse 23. Now let's remind ourselves of the end of that third missionary journey. <clears throat> Paul comes back to Palestine and appeals to Caesar when he's accused by the Jews. Appealing to Caesar means that he must, as a Roman citizen, be transported to Rome. The transport includes the shipwreck on the way to Rome in the Mediterranean Sea, and the Book of Acts Chapter 28, verse 16, closes with Paul in Rome. Now, in a deep, dark, dungy prison? Probably not. Probably not. He was probably placed under house arrest. How do we know? Because he has many guests. Many people coming and going from talking to him, meeting with him, taking letters from him. This does not suggest that he was locked away in a dark, dank prison. He was probably chained to his jailers or chained to those who were responsible for keeping him under that house arrest. But nonetheless, he was not behind bars, so to speak. And and as I indicated, we gather that picture of Paul writing in prison, uh, having open conversation and dialogue with people who talk to him, who bring him gifts, who send uh, letters to him, etc. This suggests a kind of open <clears throat> Uh, house arrest system that would be a privilege of a Roman citizen. Alright, so the third missionary journey does end in Rome. But from Colossians 4.13 we learn that Epaphras is related to more than the Colossian congregation. What other cities is he related to? Is he ministering in Laodicea and Hierapolis. All right now there is a map in your packet that shows you the location of those other two cities because they're not located on the larger missionary journey maps. It's map 91 as it's labeled. And if you find Colossae and look north, you'll notice there's a road from Colossae that goes through Laodicea and Hierapolis. Right now, we know about Laodicea from another place in the New Testament, don't we? In the book of Revelation... What is the character of the church at Laodicea? Lukewarm. It is lukewarm. It is neither hot nor cold. <clears throat> All right. So <clears throat> Laodicea, in terms of Epaphras's ministry there, uh, <clears throat> doesn't get on fire. <laughs> okay. It's tepid Christianity. Is that Epiphers' fault? No. It's Possibly he is uh, gone from reaching out or actually ministering there or uh, witnessing there uh, when John writes to the church. that nonetheless, this is the same uh, congregation. This is the same location of congregation, I should say, which receives one of the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor in Revelation 2 and 3. It makes sense, as you look at the map, that he would move between the three cities, Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis, in testifying to the gospel of Christ. All right, finally, when was Epaphras converted?
1: I'm not sure that you can tell.
0: All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 is the record of Paul's return to Ephesus on his third journey and his remaining there in Ephesus for a significant period of time. It is likely then that Epaphras was in Ephesus, heard Paul when he was laboring for over two years in the city and perhaps even with Phinemon, was converted under Paul's preaching while he labored in Ephesus for that period and then made his way to Colossae in order to serve the church there. Now, his name does not appear in that chapter, but the connection between Paul and Epaphras, which is listed here in Philemon, and obviously uh, underscored by his appearance in the Epistle of Paul to the Colossians, suggests that Paul had an impact upon his life. And what seems most reasonable is that impact came when Paul was in Ephesus for that longer period in his third missionary journey. Any questions about that suggestion?
1: Yes, Art? So you're saying that's a possibility. It is a
0: possibility. I think it's the most reasonable possibility. It, it places the uh, relationship that Paul has with Epaphras as a result of these two letters, Colossians and Philemon, into the context of the third missionary journey when Paul was on location. On the second missionary journey, he doesn't remain on location, but he's close enough to Colossae on that third missionary journey for a long period of time to have had the kind of impact that would resound, redound to the conversion of both Philemon and. Epiphany. Go ahead.
1: So those two, do we know that either one of them was ever
0: in Ephesus? We don't know for sure. So we can't prove it for sure. But or, <clears throat> we're trying to say, where does the conjunction come? How do they come in contact with Paul? They're obviously well known to him. Okay? These two epistles make that point. How? Where is the only time in Paul's ministry where they could possibly have been well known to the apostle? That's during his two year stint in Ephesus on his third journey. Ben? Oh, I'm sorry. Art, so did you have that, something else to say? Is that because Paul never went to
1: Colossus? That's that's one reason, okay, yes. Ben? I, I have a question regarding the, uh, the believers and the in these various cities. Because there was a time right after the, uh, uh, the stoning of Stephen that there was a dispersion of the
0: I don't think so. I don't think that dispersion spreads that far. I think Paul is the ambassador to that region. I mean it is basically his work or the result of his work, that central Galatia, the coast of Asia Minor in particular, hears the gospel and believes, those who respond believe. This is one of the reasons he's called to that ministry. It's one of the reasons he heads more or less for his home backyard on the first missionary journey. You see, Derby, Iconium, and Lystra are not that far away from Tarsus, where he was born and raised. He knows the territory. He knows the land. So he goes to Cyprus in order to get there in order to establish a beachhead. The first missionary journey is establishing a beachhead. Second missionary journey, now he walks all over it, but he doesn't walk into Colossae, quite interestingly. He walks past Colossae on that second journey. <clears throat> so the, the impact that he has begins to spread as a result of that, but the, 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 the more mature uh, outbreak Of of Colossae, Galatia, and Ephesus is that third missionary journey. He's there long enough to nurture the relationships which are being built as a result of those churches growing. I think that's one of the reasons God called him. He called him because you know he's the man to pioneer to get into that area. It's his word. Now the dispersion does affect Egypt. It does affect Palestine. It affects eastern Asia Minor. It even affects a little bit of Mesopotamia, northern Syria, and so on. But I, I, I don't know that it gets much beyond that until Paul pioneers the way. Uh, Pete, you had your hand up next. Yeah, I do support that uh, is verse 10 of chapter 19 of Acts. For it
1: says, This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, Asia was the farthest most province of Asia Minor, and it includes these churches, the seven churches of uh, Revelation, and it includes Colossae and Laodicea.
0: Thanks very much, Pete. Very good point. Acts 19, verse 10. Make a note of that. Yes, Randy, you were next. What's the name of that river there that runs from Leo Sea
1: towards this? The Lycus? I can't read. The
0: Lycus River, I think?
1: No, it starts with an M.
0: Oh, the Menander. The Menander. Is the mean- menander? Meander. I'm sorry. The Menander. It's a meandering river. Is there a Menander?
1: Eusebius mentions a Menander, I couldn't figure out where it was at. So I think maybe that's. That, that may it. be it. Right.
0: Did I miss anybody else's hand? I'm
1: confused. Uh, so is Philemon written then during the third missionary journey? Yes, he's in
0: prison after the third missionary journey. Oh. He's in prison in Rome. So he's already gotten to Rome and he writes all the prison epistles while he's in Rome. Okay. So that's Colossians, <clears throat> Philippians, perhaps Ephesians, and Philemon. Nancy, question? I thought it was interesting. He stopped there.
1: C- You're reading from
0: the map? Yeah. In T- I'm not following it. A- oh, well, I read it in the book of, uh, in Acts. Um, in Caria. In Cenaria. <coughs> in Caria. In Caria. Uh, it's on
1: the second missionary journey up by Athens in Caria. When I was reading it in the, in the book of Acts, he... Um, I stopped off to get a haircut because um, I guess it was the law of separation in numbers. Anyway, I thought
0: that was kind of interesting. we're talking about Cencrea.
1: Cencrea. Cencrea.
0: Yes, that's in the Peloponnesus. Yes. Okay, so that's in Greece, not in Asia Minor.
1: Seaport of Corinth. Oh, it's the Seaport of Corinth?
0: Forth is inland. You start with the isthmus that goes from Centrea eastward. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of territory. We've uh, begun to put together biographical sketches of these Christian personalities whom Paul names in this epistle. We'll stop here for this week. I'm sure you've had enough. Uh, You've exhausted your brains if you didn't do your homework. And that gives you a chance to resume. So, uh, if you didn't do your homework this week, then you can work on the last two pages of the handout for next time. Any other questions or comments? Well, let's close in prayer. Our Father, these names are before you, most of them names written in the Lamb's book of life, names who are drawn into the life of that Lamb through the grace of your Holy Spirit calling them out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you for the love of Jesus shed abroad in their hearts. We thank you for the recognition of their standing in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Apostle Paul. And we thank you for how they bore witness to the gospel of salvation in the first century. It reminds us of the call that you have granted to us and the privilege of being in Christ so that we may as well call the nations to the Savior of the world. So encourage us, Lord, that these are not mere names. These are names of lives that were joined by your grace. To the death and to the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that as Paul says in one of his prison epistles, there are names that were seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. We thank you for this letter, we thank you for these individuals, we thank you for the Apostle, and we thank you most of all for Jesus, our Savior and Lord. So bless us in his name as we go. May we
1: serve you in faithfulness for Christ's sake. Amen.